Okay. All right. Praises be to our loving Father that we are able to gather once again to study His words and His commands. And the topic of our lesson is about tithing. Tithing is about giving that was done during the Old Testament time. And the question is, is it something that we still practice today? Now, we're answering basically a question that was submitted to us by one of our assembly members. And I would like to read to you uh, the question. Uh, here it is. Hello, Pope Brother John. A relative who belongs to another religion, not INC, INC stands for Igalashin and Cristo, is giving tithes and told me tithing is in the New Testament. Uh, if you have a chance for well, maybe we can test that one in one of our Q&A sessions. I like the way this person kind of phrased uh, the, uh, the question, if we can test this one. So this is exactly what we're going to do. According to her, uh, here below are the verses regarding tithes, and this is what they follow, um, which is why in their religion or in their church, they practice tithing. And thank you, Paul, Yahuwah, bless always. We'll go through th these different scriptures. But I want you to notice in the five scriptural passages that was submitted here, there's only one that is in the New Testament. Care to guess which one? Out of all the five different passages recorded here, which one? is a New Testament scripture. Is it one, two, three, four, or five? I think you all know it's number five. So we'll look at number five last and test it because according to the person asking the question, her friend or relative uses all of these passages and claims that the New Testament uh, teaches that we should still observe or still apply tithing even today. And so let's begin with Genesis. Let's look at uh, number three, Genesis 14, 20, 28, 22. The reason why is because this is outside the framework of, of the, uh, the, the, uh, the law given to Moses, right? This is before the time of Moses, Genesis. So let's go ahead and read the book of Genesis and see what we can get from this passage. Genesis 14, verse 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine and was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And so what we read here was when after Abraham was able to conquer the four kings. And then he gets a visit from a very enigmatic biblical figure. And not much is spoken about him. He appears here and elsewhere in the book of Hebrews, but not, met, not much else is uh, recorded in scripture that give us the details about this Melchizedek. But well, we all know that Yahushua is of the Melchizedek order. Anyways, during the days of Abraham, after Abraham's conquest, defeating his enemies, he gets a visit from the king of Salem, and his name is Melchizedek. And you notice that he brings out bread and wine. It seems to be alluding to and pointing forward to what? The supper, right? The Passover of our king, Yahusha, because Melchizedek is also pointing to our king, Yahusha. And he visits uh, Abram and he blesses Abram and says, Blessed be Abram of God Most High. After this visit, Abraham felt compelled to give him a tithe of all. He wasn't commanded. He felt compelled. He voluntarily gave a tithe of all. What does that mean? That he gave a tithe 
of all. In Genesis 14, 18 and 20, it says, it says at the bottom, and Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the loot he had recovered because Abram just came from conquering these four kings and he got uh, some of the resources, their loot. And what Abram did was to give Melchizedek a tenth of what he was able to acquire. So a tithe refers to a tenth. And so when people ask about tithing, they are referring to giving a 10% of your income. This is what some religions and some churches do. They impose the tithe, meaning they require their members to give 10% of their income in the form of offering or contribution to their church. And so that's the basis of the tithe. Anyways, it, it's first mentioned in the book of Genesis, a tenth or a tithe. Fast forward a little bit to the time of Jacob. Jacob was in trouble and he prayed to Yahuwah. One night he got a, he had a dream in Bethel and this is what he promised uh, Yahuwah and the request he made, Genesis 28, 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow to Yahuwah, if you will be with me and protect me on the journey I am making and give me food and clothing and if I return safely to my father's home, then you will be my God. This memorial stone, which I have set up, will be the place where you are worshipped, and I will give you a tenth of everything you give me. So here, Jacob is making a journey, and in this journey, he's going to experience maybe threats and dangers along the way. And so he was concerned about his safety, and so he prays to Yahuwah, and in his prayer, he makes a vow that if he will succeed and he returns home safely, he will give Yahuwah a tenth of everything that he had that that he has. And so again, this was not something that was required or asked of him. It's something that he voluntarily had decided to do. Nevertheless, we see that the tithe or the tenth was a significant number anyways, as far as expressing um, honor to Yahuwah Abba, even before the law was given to Moses. So that's what we find in the book of Genesis. Next, the, the, uh, the, one of our, uh, the sister, the relative, cites Leviticus 27, 32-32. Now that we go to Leviticus, we enter now the Mosaic law. This is covered under the old or Mosaic covenant, and this is what was instructed. Leviticus 27, let's read 30 to 32, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to Yahuwah and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back Yahuwah's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%, there's a 20% tax. Count every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for Yahuwah as holy. And so during the days of the people of Israel, after they were set free from bondage in Egypt and they became their own nation, what commandment was given through Moses? It was the command of tithing. And the Bible says that the tenth of the produce of the land belongs to who? To Yahuwah. This is why when this command was given, it was in respect to 
what the people of Israel were doing with the land, the promised land. They would plant crops, they would harvest crops, right? And because it was basically an agricultural society, they would have animals. And so even the animals, the tenth of the animals were to belong to Yahuwah, a tenth of their possession, a tenth of what they produced from the land that was supposed to go to who? To Yahuwah. The Bible says that belongs not to you. That belongs to Yahuwah because after all, the land doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Yahuwah. So whatever the land is producing, you have to remember and acknowledge the fact that the one who gave that to you in the first place is Yahuwah. So the tithe or 10% was instructed to the people of Israel during the days of Israel under the leadership of Moses to be given to Yahuwah. So that's Leviticus. And then she goes on to cite number four, Numbers 18. Let's read Numbers 18. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Here, the Bible says, Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes. Who is the one speaking there? The one who said, I am giving to the children of Levi all the tithes. That's Yahuwah. Remember, the people of Israel were commanded to give the tithe to Yahuwah. That belongs to Yahuwah as an offering. Yahuwah, in turn, has a purpose for that because Yahuwah doesn't need livestock. Right? Yahuwah doesn't need your crops and your plants. And so what was the purpose of Yahuwah in requiring the tenth of the livestock, the tenth of the crops, to be given to him? Yahuwah says, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes. And so the purpose of the tithing and the command to give tithes was so that the Levites would receive something, an inheritance, because of the work that they performed. What work did the Levites perform? They did not perform the work of planting and reaping. They did not perform the work of raising up animals and livestock. Their work was different. Their work was in the tabernacle of meeting. And later on, it was in the temple. So this was the work of the Levites. Now, who were the Levites? Well, basically, they were Israelites. But they come from the tribe of Levi. And so they assisted the priests and some of Levites, some of the Levites, if they were the sons of Aaron, they acted also as the priests. So they worked in the temple. They worked in the tabernacle. They were not given an inheritance of private land to grow crops, raise cattle, and so forth, like the rest of the tribes of Israel. The reason is that Yahuwah called them into a specific service the service of the tabernacle of meeting. They were commissioned to serve within the tabernacle and later the temple. In other words, the Levites, well, they had a lot of work to do. And Yahuwah wanted them to be focused in their work rather than spending all of their time farming to support themselves. And so because no one supported them because they could not farm, they had no secular jobs, quote-unquote, then they need to be supported, including their families. And so that's the purpose of the tithe. Now, what exactly did the Levites do? Well, they administered the tabernacle or temple services. You read that in Numbers 150 to 53. So they basically run 
uh, the worship program of the community of Israel. They also taught scriptures to the people, Deuteronomy 33.10, Nehemiah 8.7-8. They served as overseers, 2 Chronicles 34, 12 down to 13. They served in various ministry capacities, everything from helping make repairs for the temple, 2 Chronicles 24, to ministering to those who had leprosy, uh, Deuteronomy 24, verse 8. So they had different offices, different rankings, different types of work that they were assigned to according to their capabilities there in the temple or in the tabernacle. The priests among the Levites served in the court. They resolved disputes among the people and they gave counsel according to Deuteronomy 17, 8-1-2, 8-2-13. So the Levites, they were busy, especially since during those days, the number of the people of Israel numbered to millions. And so the Levites, they were responsible for taking care of the worship and the services performed by Israel so they can worship Yahuwah and become a light to the, the whole world as Yahuwah intended them to be. And so because of all the work that they did and they could not work for themselves, Yahuwah said, behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the works that they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. So that's Numbers 18. Now, how important was the work of giving the tithe to Yahuwah? How important was it? We know it was important to the Levites. How important was it to Yahuwah? This is where we go to number two of her list, Malachi 3, 10 down to 12, but let's read 8 down to 9 to get context. Should people cheat God? Malachi is a prophet, and he's writing, and he's speaking to the people the nation of Israel who were on the brink of apostasy because they seemingly forgot about Yahuwah, despite the fact they just survived captivity. And so they still did not learn their lesson. And so he asked the question, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, Why, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. And so this tells us that the giving of tithe is important to Yahuwah because those who did not give the tithe and also the other offerings that were due to him, because in addition to the tithes, there were other offerings, because they were not able to give the tithe and the offering to Yahuwah, Yahuwah says, it's like you're cheating me. And so Yahuwah is taking this personally, right? And so this tells us it must be important to him. In fact, so important, he says, you are under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. However, for those who did practice the tithing, what did Yahuwah say? 10 down to 12, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says Yahuwah of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says Yahuwah of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says Yahuwah of heaven's armies. And so... When Yahuwah spoke about the people cheating him because they were not giving the tithes, on the flip side of that, what did Yahuwah say 
if they do give the tithe, he has a wonderful promise. Yahuwah says, test me, try me, put me to the test. Can you imagine that? Yahuwah saying to his people, why don't you test me? If you give the tithe, what did Yahuwah promise? I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. You will have abundant crops, not crops that will die, but abundant crops. And so what Yahuwah is saying is it's important to him. So much so, those who don't practice it, they're cursed. Those who do practice it, they are blessed abundantly. Now, why is this so important to Yahuwah? It's simply because of this. When a person gives tithe, what are they expressing to Yahuwah? They're expressing their trust in him. That they are relying on him as the one who is the, the one who is behind the growth in the land. And so they acknowledge that everything really comes from him. That it's up to him, not anything else, it's up to him, Yahuwah, who's able to give them that blessing. And so it's very important to our father, Yahuwah. So this brings us to the question of our topic for today. Does tithing then still apply today? What do you think? I mean, it's important to Yahuwah, but does tithing still apply to us today? Well, there's two ways to answer this question. Yes and no, no and yes. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's impossible, really. It's impossible to apply literally, according to the literal command, the command of tithing. Why is that? Why can't the tithe be obeyed according to the law today? Why can't we tithe according to the law today? Well, first of all, number one, Yahuwah gave the tithes to the Levites. How many of you know any Levites, right? It has to go to the Levites. That's number one. Number two, even if there are Levites, the entire framework within which the tithe applies, it does not exist. Most of us do not live in the land of Israel, and the tithe technically or literally is to come from the land. Leviticus 27, 30. Number three, there is also no functioning sanctuary and priesthood in Jerusalem. So we literally cannot tithe according to the Bible. This is why to answer the question, is the tithe still applicable today? The answer is no. Technically and literally, we cannot practice tithing today. Well, how about the question that was submitted to us? Because according to the one asking the question, the relatives insist that in the religion, in the church, according to the New Testament, the practice of tithing is still applicable. And the only New Testament passage I see there is the last one, 1 Corinthians 9, 11 to 14. So is it okay if we read 1 Corinthians 9, 11 to 14 and ask the question, is Apostle Paul teaching and commanding us that we still practice tithing, okay? Let's go ahead and find out, 1 Corinthians 9, 11 to 14, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Here, Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, and he's saying, okay, we're teaching you the Word of God. We're giving you spiritual things. That's the equivalent of sowing spiritual things. Is it a great thing if we reap your material blessings? In other words, 
what he is saying is we are teaching you the word of God. Is it too much of a big thing to expect for material help or financial help from you? Verse 12, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we, do, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple? Those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So here's Apostle Paul, and he gave us this passage, which is part of the passages that was given to us by the relative of the one asking the question, right? And in Corinthians 9, 11 to 14, what do we find Apostle Paul speaking about? He makes a reference in verse 13, right, about those who minister the holy things of the temple. Who are they? The Levites. Those who serve at the altar, who are they? The Levites. Apostle Paul is referencing the work of the Levites. And then he goes on to say, those who work at the temple, those who work at the altar, they eat of the, the things of the, of the temple. They partake of the offerings of the altar. What is that in reference to? The tithe, right? The tithe. And then he applies the tithe to verse 14. Even so, the Lord has commanded those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And so does that teach us that we are to give 10% of our income to the church? Is that what Apostle Paul is teaching? Is he telling us that it is mandatory that we practice the tithe even today? Well, I don't think that's what Apostle Paul is doing here. But what is Apostle Paul doing here if he's not teaching the time? Because it seems to me, when you look at 13 and 14, it seems to me that's the practice of time. Because the equivalent of the Levites who ministered at the temple and at the altar, that's the equivalent of ministers today who preach the gospel. And so isn't that the giving of the tithe? Not necessarily. It's not the literal time. Because we already told you, we cannot practice the literal giving of the time. But what is Apostle Paul doing here? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy 25 in the verses 4. You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Now here's a command found where? The Old Testament, right? This is not one of the Ten Commandments. This is a this is one of the ordinances, one of the laws given. Uh, to show uh, to, to show humane treatment to to animals because if you are you have a, you have field and you have an ox working for you you don't want to muzzle an ox because if you muzzle the ox while it's working it's very cruel right and number two it's not really wise because if the ox is working so hard underneath that hot sun and you're not feeding it then eventually it's going to collapse it's going to be weak it will not produce good work and so it's not good to muzzle an ox that's a command about animals right a literal command about animals during the days of israel and so that's a literal command and so what apostle paul does is he takes this command which is written in the law of moses and he applies it how so the book of corinthians 9 9 to 14 for it is written in the law of moses you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. So he's referencing Deuteronomy, right? The verse that we read. 
It is, is it oxen God is concerned about? And so Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, he is now taking the literal command about the ox. Now he's making a spiritual application, not about ox, but who? People, right? Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of this hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things of the of eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And so here's Apostle Paul. He takes a literal command about the oxen, not muzzling the oxen, right? He takes a literal command and gets the principle of that command and says, is it oxen God is concerned about? No, he's really concerned about us, about the work of those people who preach the gospel. This is why, according to Apostle Paul, right, the Lord has commanded. This is not his command. It's the Lord's command. So Apostle Paul is telling us it's the Lord's command to apply a literal command in the Old Testament for its spiritual value and principle and apply it in this context. That's why Apostle Paul says, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So here's an example of something literal in the Old Testament and then obeying its spirit, right? The spirit of the law. And so Apostle Paul takes a literal command, gets the principle behind the command and applies it in a new setting because this new setting where the apostles are serving now it's no longer the same setting during the days of israel with moses it's a different setting but the principle remains the same and so apostle paul says the lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel so it is impossible right to apply literally the command of tithing we obey uh, the command in spirit by upholding the principle of Tithing. So what is the main principle behind the tithe? What is it? Well, it's really to support the work of the Levites so that Yahuwah can be worshipped and Israel can become the light of the nations. Question, is this still applicable today? Do we still want to worship Yahuwah? Do we still want to shine brightly before all the world? Absolutely. We want to do the work of Yahuwah, but the work of Yahuwah today it's kind of different from how it was done back then. Today, we call it the work of the assembly because we do it in the name of Yahushua. And so, yes, there is still the work that needs to be done today, but we cannot literally obey the tithe. And so in Corinthians, Apostle Paul is getting the principle of the tithe, applying it during the Christian era. And so we need to continue to do the work of the assembly. So how are we going to do the work of the assembly? If we're not going to require the tithe, then what did Apostle Paul teach? Because the question is, 
from the questioner or the uh, assembly member who had a relative say it's a New Testament teaching and then he cites Corinthians 9 is Apostle Paul teaching the tithe or 10%. What did Apostle Paul say? Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Yes, we have work that the assembly needs to do in the name of our King Yahushua to promote Yahuwah, worship him and testify of him to do good works and to shine brightly before all the world. Yes, we have all those works, but how is it going to be supplied? According to the Bible, not by the tithe, but by what? By giving according to what this what one has decided in his heart to give. So does the tithe apply? No. But does giving apply? Yes. It's a command of our Father Yahuwah and Yahusha as a spiritual principle behind the tithing. Now, having said that, what are the offerings to be used for? I mean, we collect, if there are offerings that are being given, what is its purposes? Where do they go? Well, we need to find out what are the offerings we give to Yahuwah and to Yahusha through the assembly of Yahusha. What are they used for? Well, the book of Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war, whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say, does he say altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he who plows should, should plow in hope and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of this hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? And so Apostle Paul is speaking about Barnabas himself because we're doing the work of preaching the word of God, which is the equivalent of what the Levites were doing during the days of Israel. And so he asked the question, do we not have the right to reap material things from those they are ministering to? And then he goes on in 13 and 14, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple? Those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So that's one of the, one of the purposes of the giving of offerings today. It is to help the one preaching the gospel. The ministers who preach the gospel are to be helped because the Bible says those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And Apostle Paul used Deuteronomy about the oxen and he used it in Corinthians. He also used it in Timothy. And this is what it says. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. So according to Apostle Paul, uh, those who do the work of preaching and teaching, well, they should be paid and they should not be prevented from receiving a portion of what was given to Yahuwah in form of offering. And so 
having said that, right, because there are ministers who preach the word of God, but they sometimes we know well what some ministers do, and they abuse the kindness of the brethren, and they live luxurious lifestyles, and people become suspect and suspicious of them. But a true minister of God, just like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, even though they have the right, right, they have the right to expect uh, financial help from the brethren that they serve. You know what a true minister, what his conviction is, a true minister of the gospel, Corinthians 9, 12. If others are partaker of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. That's the conviction of a true minister of the gospel. Even if there is no financial help, even if there is no source of material provisions, they will not stop preaching the gospel of Christ. And this must be the mindset of all ministers. If there's financial help, praises be to Yahuwah. If there's none, praises be to Yahuwah nonetheless, because you still have the ability to preach the gospel. And so one of the reasons, one of the purposes of the giving of offering is to provide for the needs of the preacher who labor, labor for the gospel. What else is it used for? Second Corinthians 9, 12 to 14, for the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. But also it's the purpose of the giving of offerings. Apostle Paul tells us it's to administer the service throughout the assembly and to supply the needs of the saints. In other words, part of the offering should be allocated for the operational costs of doing the work of the assembly. Because nowadays, we know that to be able to do anything in any country, you need to have financial support. You can do nothing without financial uh, support. And one of the things that we need, and perhaps uh, are, are many things, internet connection, so on and so forth, um, there are resources that we are investing in, lots of reference works and books and Bibles, um, um, training materials for our ministerial students, but also it would be nice to have a place of your own, you know, a, a venue of your own where it can be like the base or the main hub of our work together. And so perhaps in the future, because right now the assembly is not that big, but hopefully in the future as we grow, we can start allocating these funds. As a matter of fact, we are allocating a big portion of the funds to prepare in purchasing a venue where we can gather for in-person worship gatherings and also for the taping of different episodes. So that's a future plan. So number two, the re uh, to cover operational costs of doing the work of the assembly, including and hopefully including having our own place of worship. And lastly, what also is the offerings used for? Well, it turns out in the book of Deuteronomy 14, there's another purpose for the giving of the tithe. The tithe was given, yes, primarily to the Levites, but also Yahuwah, because of his kindness and compassion, he also 
gave this tithing command in Deuteronomy 14, 28 to 29, at the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that Yahuwah your God may bless you in all the work your hand which you do. So what also is the purpose of the tithe? Well, it turns out there was a tithe that was required every third year. And the purpose of this tithe was to help those who were poor. And so Yahuwah had in his mind the, the way by which the people of Israel can help those who are poor in the land. This is why in the book of James 1.27, true religion was defined the following way. What God the Father considers to be pure and genuine religion is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their suffering and to keep oneself from being corrupted by the world. So one of the purposes of the giving of offering is so that we can help those who are in need, those who are poor. And from time to time, this is what also the assembly does. We also need to allocate a portion of the offerings to give for the work of helping the poor, especially the widows and the orphans. And at present, we are in a working relationship with certain orphanage in the Philippines to provide for orphans and in the future also widows as we can identify work involving widows. But the giving and helping of the poor, it's something James spoke about, and not only James, but Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter. In Galatians 2, 9 to 10, in fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles, well, they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. And so what we notice uh, from the very beginning, during the days of the Israelites of old, up until the days of the apostles, the one thing they were eager to do is to help those who were poor. So what are the offerings used for? Number one, to provide for the needs of the preacher who labor for the gospel. Number two, to cover the operational costs of doing the work of the assembly. And number three, to help the poor and the needy. And so that's that's where the offering goes to. That is the purpose of the offerings that is collected. But we must keep in mind that first and foremost, we are not applying the tithe. We are applying the principle of the tithe, which is the purpose of giving so that we can fulfill the purposes of Yahuwah in terms of people who need uh, this kind of financial assistance. Now, in addition to the tithe, there are also special offerings the Bible speaks about. In Deuteronomy 16, each year, every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals, the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of harvest, and the festival of shelters. On each of these occasions, all men must appear before Yahuwah your God at the place he chooses, but they must not appear before Yahuwah without a gift for him. All must give as they are able, according to the blessings given to them by Yahuwah your God. So in addition to the tithe that was regularly given on special occasions, they also give a special offering. What are these special occasions? Festivals of unleavened bread, festival of harvest, and the festival of 
shelters. And also, did they give a special offering to Yahuwah? Leviticus 7, 12 to 14, if you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving, the usual animal sacrifice must be accompanied by various kinds of bread made without yeast, thin cakes mixed with olive oil, wafers spread with oil, and cakes made of choice flour mixed with olive oil. This peace offering of thanksgiving must also be accompanied by loaves of bread made with yeast. Uh, one of each kind of bread uh, must be presented as a gift to Yahuwah. It will then belong to the priest who splatters the blood of the peace offering against the altar. So from time to time, maybe something good happens. Maybe you graduated, maybe you got a new job and you really want to express your thanksgiving. You can also give a special offering. In Psalms 50, 14 and 23, sacrifice thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the most high. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way I may show him the salvation of God. Because when we give a thank offering to Yahuwah, something that's not compelled, something that we voluntarily give, it expresses that we acknowledge him, that our blessings come from him, and that we trust him, that we can depend on him to help us in the future. And so this is an expression of thanksgiving to Yahuwah. And when also can we give a special offering to Yahuwah? In the book of Genesis 28, 20 to 22, then Jacob made a vow to Yahuwah, if you will be with me and protect me on the journey, I am making and give me food and clothing. And if I return safely to my father's home, then you will be my God. This memorial stone which I have set up will be the place where you are worshipped and I will give you a tenth of everything you give me. And so again, we talked about this earlier. This is about maybe we are facing a challenge and we make a prayer to Yahuwah and we make a vow to give him an offering. So that's between you and Yahuwah Abba. Whenever we give an offering during the Christian era, what must we always keep in mind? In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So when we're going to give an offering, we must not do so out of response to pressure. This is why it's not good for a religion or for a church to give you like envelopes. Because can you imagine if somebody visits your house and they have an envelope to give you, expecting that you're going to fill up that envelope, then you're being pressured to give, right? If you give them an amount to give, you're pressuring that person to give. Right? If you're announcing to the congregation, we're raising $10,000, right? You're pressuring the people to give. And so that's not the way Yahuwah wants us to give. If we're going to give, praise be to Yahuwah. If we're going to give, we should give according to what our heart desires, not according to pressure, not according to somebody else's agenda, but according to our heart, because God loves a cheerful giver and so if we're going to give and it's a from our heart how can we express our giving if it's from our heart in verse 5 therefore i thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation and so if we're going to give 
it should not be because we're obligated to give. It's not because of the pressure that you want that you're going to give, but because you want to give a gift. It's like when you when you have a person that you love, and it's a special occasion, and because you love this person, you want to give them a gift, right? Nobody's forcing you to give that gift. I mean, if the person receiving the gift found out you were forced to give, how do you think that person is going to feel? Oh, you gave me this gift because you were forced to give. The person receiving the gift might say, oh, take it back. I don't want it. Well, I guess it depends on what the gift is. Well, thank you anyways. I'll keep the gift nonetheless, right? But, you know, it's the same principle, really. Like if we're going to give an offering, it should not be because we're forced to give, but because we really want to give. And to show that, we prepare it. We prepare it. And we think about it. We pray about it. And that's what we want you to do. Whenever we're going to give a gift to Yahuwah, give an offering, let us do so prayerfully and mindfully, not mindlessly, like reaching out into your pocket, reaching for a coin and giving it to Yahuwah. This is not almsgiving. You know? We're giving this mindfully as an expression of our thankfulness to Yahuwah each and every time we give an offering. This is why when we give an offering to Yahuwah, there's a principle that we need to also obey. What is that principle all about? In Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, honor Yahuwah with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Although we're not applying the tithe anymore, it still pleases Yahuwah when we honor him with our wealth. How do we honor Yahuwah with our wealth? When we give an offering when we acknowledge that the reason why we're giving this offering is because we realize that what we have is not really ours, but it's really from Yahuwah. And so we are showing trust to Yahuwah. And if we do that, like what was promised in Malachi, Yahuwah will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. That was in Malachi. But you know what? That was also reiterated this Malachi verse was also reiterated by Apostle Paul. If we go back to 2 Corinthians, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need and you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor, their good deeds will be remembered forever. This is the promise of Yahuwah. Yes, it's no longer about tithing. It's about giving from your heart. And you know what? When it comes to giving from your heart, when you're not, when you're not giving because somebody's forcing you to give, I think that matters more, more to Yahuwah. This is why Yahuwah says, you're giving cheerfully, you're giving from your heart. Yahuwah says, I will bless you generously with all that you need. In 10 to 11, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And so this is the principle behind tithing. Do we tithe today? No. What do we do today? Giving from our heart. The principle of tithing 
is what we follow. And so during our time, um, praises be to Yahuwah for those who give and Yahuwah knows about the work that we do in the assembly. And so we will not enforce the 10% income. What we will do is preach what was already preached, which is to give according to our heart. That is our lesson for tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and stand for our prayer. Everlasting Abba, Yahuwah Almighty, yes. thank you so much for blessing your people. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to proclaim your will and your teachings. Father, because of the topic that was discussed today, we ask that you please remember your people throughout the world who are enduring poverty and hardship. Father, we believe that you are the source of everything that we need, including our financial needs. And so we beg you to please remember your people. May you bless their livelihoods, those who do not currently have a livelihood. May you help them as they look for a means of living. May you lead them to the path that will allow them to receive from you even material blessings. Father, please continue to help your people. For we believe in your promise. We hold on to your truth. We know if we will only place our complete trust in you, you will never abandon your people. Even if the world continues to collapse, your people will have more than enough and we will be able to give praise and glory to you. Our King Yahushua, may you please remember your servants. We will follow you. We will remember your teachings. We will give our life to you. May you please bless us with more wisdom as we search the scriptures for the answers that we ask. Father, thank you for listening to our prayers. May you heal your people who may be sick and continue please to strengthen our faith. We ask and beg everything loving Abba in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, thank you for attending our Bible study for tonight. Um, if you have any questions, please submit them to info at assemblyofyahusha.org. Uh, this concludes our worship, no, our Bible study for today. May Yahuwah Abba and Yahusha Hamashiach bless all of us.